What are the stars? Just points of light in the sky? They appear to us night after night, and it seems we never tire of delighting in them. The sun, for example, is a star, the closest one to us. Believe it or not, it's 864,000 miles in diameter, just shy of a million miles. But astronomers consider it to be a dwarf star. Dwarf? What does that say about the other stars? Astronomers call them giants, supergiants, and hypergiants. The star Betelgeuse, for example, the shoulder star in the constellation Orion, has been estimated to have a diameter between 800 million and 1 billion miles. Betelgeuse is a variable star which dims and brightens periodically and has recently dimmed to levels not seen in 25 years. What's going on? Some astronomers think the star is about ready to go supernova. But there are other more enormous stars out there in the universe. Take the star VY Canis Majoris, for example. Located in the constellation of Canis Majoris, fittingly the big dog, this enormous light bearer is believed to be upwards of 1.8 billion miles in diameter. And that's just one star. How many more like it lie beyond our range of observation? Not too long ago, the Hubble Space Telescope took the most detailed resolution of our closest neighbor galaxy, Andromeda. And the folks at Hubble were kind enough to arrange a remarkable zoomable image of the galaxy. What at first looks like mere dust from a distance, as you zoom in, turns out to be an unbelievable, mind-bending multitude of stars clustered together like bees in a hive. And the more you zoom in, the more stars are revealed. As God once said to Abraham, count the stars if you are able. So what does it all mean? What in the world are all these stars for? In C.S. Lewis's The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the petulant character Eustace, while traveling through Narnia with his cousins, encounters a retired star by the name of Ramandu. Eustace cannot believe his eyes. Expressing his wonder, he tells Ramandu, quote, In our world, a star is just a huge ball of flaming gas, end quote. To which Ramandu replies, quote, Even in your world, my son, that is not what a star is, but only what a star is made of, end quote. What then is a star? For the scientific materialist, stars are just huge balls of flaming gas and plasma, but there is nothing in the sciences which say that a star's matter is the end of the whole matter. Scripture gives us a much bigger perspective on what the stars are, what they are for, and what they do. The Hebrew word for stars is kokabim. In Greek, they are astrois. The Bible tells us that they are for signs and for seasons and for days and years. God calls them all by name. He alone counts every single one of them, and not one of them is missing. He created them by the word of his power. David in Psalm 8 declares the stars are the work of God's fingers. In Psalm 19, we read that they declare his glory. The stars show forth his invisible attributes, reminding us that he is the light of the world. 
the bright and morning star, the star of Jacob, our son of righteousness, our sun and shield. On this episode of Good Heavens, Wayne and I discuss what the Bible says about stars. What did they mean to people in the Old and New Testaments? What is the rakia or expanse, the place where God put the stars? What is the purpose of the stars and what relevance do they have for us today? Come and see on this episode of Good Heavens. Well, good morning, Wayne. You know where we are this morning. Hi, Dan. And uh, we're getting ready to light up the topic of stars in the Bible. Right. Stars in a cafe. I showed you that book this morning. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's that <laughs> Cafe and Stars. Cafe and Stars, That's a little right. black and white photograph book of uh, Hollywood stars <laughs> sipping on their cappuccinos and things. Well, we're turning it around the other way. <laughs> so yeah. we're here at the cafe talking about stars, <laughs> but not the Hollywood kind, which is really interesting, Wayne, because... In the uh, in the old TV series Cosmos with Carl Sagan, yeah, he has an episode called Lives of Stars. Lives of Stars, and he's driving around Brooklyn, his old childhood neighborhood, right? And uh-huh. he sits on a park bench, and he's like, "I went to the library, and I want, I asked the librarian for a book on stars, and she gave me a book filled with Hollywood." people <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so, he tells this story about then she went back and got the right kind of book and uh, and, and that that he tells that experience at the library he says that opened his eyes to a star was a sun but very far away yeah so uh it was pretty cool but so today we're going to talk about uh not just stars but we are going to go back to the basics and talk about what the bible says about stars the primary knowledge about how the ancient Jews, the ancient Christians would understand when they hear the word star, what it means. Yeah, and the star in the Bible, when it's referring to something in the sky, it's any kind of light in the sky. Any kind of light. They, they did not distinguish between star or planet or galaxy or comet ne- or nebula. Meteor. All those things are stars. Anything light in the sky is a star. The only thing that was distinguished is the sun, the lesser light and the greater light, the sun yes. and the moon. But everything else, any right. light in the sky was a star. And, uh, of course, you know, as you know, Dan, there's a lot of different ways the word star is used in the Bible because it becomes a symbolism for a variety of things. Well, just like, we, just like the book, uh, stars, Hollywood stars. What do we say when we say a Hollywood star? He's the star of the film, star of the show. Right. Same, the, the Bible does the very same thing. Yeah, we're being symbolic when we do that. Yeah, so so the Hollywood star idea, the walk of stars, the, right. the, is, is very, it's very biblical. Stars yes. like people. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we treat them like gods. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as we'll see, the Bible also yeah, mentions I, stars as false gods as well. That's right. We right? Shouldn't, shouldn't go too far with that. Right. Right. Uh, okay, so you want to jump in there and read a, read a scripture? Yeah, this is from the book of Job. Uh, Job chapter 25 is very short. It's only six verses. Uh, this is one of Job's uh, friends speaking named Bildad. Bildad. It says, Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can a man be righteous before God? How can one born of woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less man who is but a maggot, a son of man who is only a worm? 
Hmm. So you look at the stars and you think of Bildad is thinking of God's righteousness, which is something I, one of my favorite verses in Psalms is Psalm 50, verse 6, yeah. where it says the heavens declare God's righteousness. And David in Psalm 8, when he's looking at the stars, what does he think? He immediately is reflecting upon himself. It's almost like the stars have this built-in mechanism for us to reflect upon who we are, who we are in light of those yes, stars. Yes, and it's interesting to me, back in ancient times, all people had was the naked eye to look at stars, right? Yeah. And so to the naked eye, stars look like a very pure light in the sky. Yeah, right. But they're not. And we know um, today that, that there's sunspots in, in, on our sun. And yeah. It's not totally per, pure and perfect. Right, right. And, and we couldn't tell that until we got the modern science and the ability yeah. to study the sun more. Well, and before, uh, before Tycho and Kepler in the 16th, 17th century, uh, really before, well, it was Galileo and his telescope. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought the, the the heavens above the moon, everything above the moon, was perfect, uh, s- perfect circles, perfectly you know yeah. immutable, unchangeable. Things don't change. Right. Perfect, beautiful, and crystalline. But you're right. That's a good point. Naked eye observations. These stars look like beautiful diamonds. The pure, uh, you know, glistening, and they remind you of of God's righteousness, of His holiness, of His pureness, of His purity, of His light. Right, and the sun changes all the time. Yeah, uh, you can. You can get weather reports on the sun on a daily basis. Which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, So we're going to go through. This is going to be less science and more a a Bible study. Right. uh, About the word star and the the words used in conjunction with star. Let's start with the – quickly, we won't get into this. There are two words that come up a lot, especially in, in Christian circles when we're talking about Genesis and the heavens. Um, just briefly, let's chat about the two Hebrew words, rakia and shemaim. And these are Hebrew words. And I'll read here, we have uh, the rakia. Uh, you, you put some really great research together. I think it'd be great if we could uh, link this document for people, if they want, to the podcast. If they, uh, Yeah, we could do that. We'll, we'll put this information down. So the information that we're reading today, you can have, it'll be in a link in the descriptions below. But the rakia is a Hebrew word. And it variously is translated as firmament in the King James, vault in the NIV from 2011, dome in uh, uh, the GNT, expanse in the NASB, the ESV, the 1984 NIV, the JPS, and the NET. Then we have canopy and then sky. So we have firmament, vault, dome, expanse, canopy, and sky, all English words used to translate the word rakia. Now, the other word is shamayim, which is plural. Mm-hmm. And it's a Hebrew word for heavens. It can refer to where God is or to Earth's atmosphere where the birds fly or to outer space where the stars are. So, Wayne, unpack. let's unpack these words a little bit and how they're used. Right. So, Dan, this is something where you want to be careful about the, um, how you read the Bible and understanding context. So the meaning of a word is not determined by a dictionary, Dan. It's determined by right. how the how the word is used in context. Yes, yes. So uh, you see this if you look up different occurrences of either one of those words throughout mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the uh, Rakia and Shemayim are used synonymously. Yeah. And this is this happens in more than one place in Genesis chapter one. So in one sense, it would be like the way we use cosmos and universe today, kind yes. of kind of similar, kind of like that. Uh, 
Some people take rakia to mean something like it's referring to something solid, but I don't think that's... Yeah, that comes from the, the, idea. the Latin translation of, of the Septuagint, where I think it was Jerome who translated rakia as firmamentum. Right. I think firmamentum was an unfortunate translation uh, way back then. It's caused a lot of confusion throughout yeah, the years. Yeah, it has. Uh, so firmamentum was a Latin word, mm-hmm. and they were translating the uh, Old Testament into Greek. Right. So they kept the Latin word instead of translating it. Mm. So if translators don't know how to translate a word, sometimes they they try to do what they think is the safe thing and keep the word. Yeah. But in this case, it just caused a lot of confusion. And that think. the idea of a firm dome led to the... The idea of crystalline spheres in which the planets moved about and the solidity of the skies, the solidity of the orbits of planets. Right, and so the, the idea has become prevalent today that a lot of people think that in ancient times people believed in the, that the, the sky where the stars are it was a solid dome. Like a dish but over... But that's not really even accurate no. about the ancient beliefs. Yeah, that's, that's not even true. Even modern Bible scholars sometimes get this wrong. Uh, people didn't really believe in a solid dome much. It was there were mixed, a mixture of different views, like among the Greeks. Uh-huh. It's more and, the uh, uh, Aristotelian scholasticism of the yes. Middle Ages, where that solidity developed. Yes, but this is uh, all asides. Probably a long story, not worth delving into too much. <laughs> but anyway, expanse I think is a good ex- uh, translation of Rikia. Yeah, you and I are both kind of in the expanse camp, where it's yeah. it's a vast space it's space into which yeah i think God the word is stars. the word is more about thinness okay it's not about what something is made of got it got it got it so basically my understanding this is my colloquially understanding god separates the waters from the waters and that separation between the waters is the rakia or expanse and then into that expanse god put stars right and sun and moon yes yeah Okay. Shemayim is just a, a synonymous word for heavens. You see that a lot in you know, Psalm 19, the heavens mm-hmm. declare the glory of God. Um, anytime in heavens. And then you see Matthew in Matthew's gospel repeat the plurality of, of the Hebrew heavens. Uh, the Greek, ton aranon, or tois aranois, um, is translated in most English translations as singular, heaven. Right. And, and actually, there's in, in Matthew five, for example, kingdom of the heaven, or mm. the kingdom of heaven, is really in the Greek kingdom of the heavens. And so Matthew is continuing uh, uh, the ancient Hebrew tradition of understanding Hebrew, uh, the Shemaim, the pluralness, the plurality in, in the context of the word of heavens. The kingdom of the Shemaim is here, mm. which was a stunningly significant. Uh, pronouncement that Matthew's gospel focuses on. And, and what is, how does Matthew begin his gospel? With the star that announces the birth of Christ. So the right. kingdom of the heavens is here through the star who is Jesus. And Jesus is referred to as a star. You have, we... It's, it's like saying the, the kingdom of the creator is here. Yeah, exactly, Wayne. Exactly. The kingdom Not, of the creator. One greater than the heavens is here. Yeah. Yeah. The light yeah. of the world is here. The bright and morning star is here. The, the star in Balaam's prophecy in Numbers right. 24. Yeah. He sees a star rising out of Jacob. So there's this great association with the word star in both the Hebrew and the Greek that it's light in the sky, but it's also a, a spiritual light, that, that people are like stars, that angels are like stars. 
Um, so that's just Rakia and Shemayim. Anything else you want to talk about and throw in there? I was fascinated uh, about the use of the term morning star in the, in the Bible. Yeah, unpack yeah. that. So uh, I find three different ways that the term is used. Of course, morning star is an old term for planet because certain planets like Venus and Jupiter yeah. are sometimes visible in the early, early in the morning. morning right? right, right. And so... Um, and you have that old use of the word planet in Jude 13, where uh, Jude is talking about wandering stars, which is translated planetai yeah, certainly in Greek. Yeah, false teachers and, and, and evil evil men are described as wandering stars. Right, unlike the fixed stars. Right. Yeah. And then uh, in Job 38, there's a verse that says, The morning stars sang together... And all the angels shouted for joy. Yeah, that, I love that passage. Where He's asking Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Yes. When all the, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That immediately reminds me of Luke and the Annunciation to the Shepherds, where the, the glory of the Lord shone round about them and the mm-hmm. angels sang, you know, glory yes. to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So there's an angelic glory that you could relate to stars as well. Because what do, what do angelas, what do the angels do? They announce and proclaim. Yeah. And that's what the stars do in, Genesis, in uh, Psalm 19. What do they do? They declare the glory of God. So the stars in the heavens are like the angels here on earth announcing the birth of Jesus. They declare the glory of God in song and in light. Yeah, I, I, I like to think of the, the angels where the... Uh, fortunate ones to be a witnesses of creation. Uh, yeah, God who created the and they earth. sang. It's just like Psalm one forty eight. Praise yeah. Him, all you stars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's let's pull some specific. Uh, well, go on with your morning well, star. That, that's just one yeah. way of using morning star. Okay. And then there's one reference to Satan as morning star, mm. but this is about what he once was, not what he not is what now. He is now. So this is Isaiah fourteen twelve. Okay. How. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. He lost his place. Yes. He lost his title. He lost his place. There's another reference to morning star that's referring to Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is Revelation 22:16, The root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. Then there's another reference to that in a way that's Second Peter 1. Until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts. Yes. And this goes back to Genesis 15, 5 and God's promise to Abraham. He took Abraham outside. Yeah. And this is back in the ancient Near East when there were no light, no light pollution. Right. Showed him the stars and said, count the stars if you're able. So shall your descendants be. Right. Innumerable as the stars in the sky or the sand and the seashore. But who is the seed? of Abraham, the bright and morning star himself. So the descendants of Abraham are like stars because the one from whom they came is the bright and morning star. We are made in Christ's image and we reflect his glory like the stars reflect his glory. He's the the master light, if you will, and we are the little lights that reflect his his glory. Right. So there's a poetic use of the word star that we're really getting at here. You know, it's a shining one. It's a bright one. 
Uh, now, we don't walk around shining light, but we, we actually, scientifically, we do. We're made of carbon, and carbon reflects light at low-intensity wavelengths. <laughs> so if you had your infrared goggles on, you Yeah, you can, you can <laughs> look at people with infrared. Right, and see, we're uh, shiny. Yeah. We're shiny at the, yeah. at the lower end of the wavelength That's spectrum. Right. But the, the truth of the matter is that Jesus calls us uh, the light of the world in Matthew 5 when he's talking mm-hmm. about the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. And then he says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he says, you know, no one lights a, a lamp and puts a basket under, over it, but they put it in the house for everybody to see. Let your light so shine before men right. that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the interesting thing is, is that the word star has multiple meanings depending on, as you said earlier, depending on the context in which you find these things. But what have we established so far? That stars can be references to Christ, references to Satan or Lucifer, references to angels, and references to people, and references to light in the sky. Yes, and there's a few places where it refers to uh, people worshiping a, a false god or a demon. Yeah. And so the star is kind of uh, connected with a with some kind of false worship. Yeah, this is Acts chapter 7, verse 43. Okay. You have... Lifted up the shrine of Molech and the star of your god, Rephan, the idols you made to worship. So and people have looked, made up gods and uh, false, false gods until they, they associate a star with a certain god. Uh-huh. Instead of thinking of God as uh, all-powerful like we would believe in they they sort of limit god to just this this is a god who does this and that but not a yeah. god who created everything well it's like it's like the constellation orion was believed to be uh representative of the babylonian god marduk right and he's kind of mocked in the book of job yeah. because when job at the end of job in job 38 uh job saying can you loose the cords of orion and yeah. The, the word for Orion in Hebrew is kasil, which means fool. Uh, so there's, there's this reference to the, the false god Marduk being a, you know, a kind of foolish thing. But you're right. They assign divinity, the multiplicity, so that the universe to a pagan would be like a pantheon. Yeah. There's that god over there, that god over there, that god over there. And they're doing exactly what is forbidden in Deuteronomy when it says, when you look up in the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed in bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So these declare my glory, not the glory of Molech, not the glory of uh, Rephan, not the glory of, of, of anyone else, but, but God and God alone. Yeah, and so, of course, today people don't really worship the stars in that way, Dan, of course. But uh, when we, the Bible makes a big point, I think, about you know, acknowledging that God created everything. Right. And so there's nothing that exists that he did not make. In fact, it does that specifically with Jesus as well mm-hmm. in the New Testament. So... Um, it's important to acknowledge God as creator in everything. Well, so it, when, when we, I think there's a problem if people think of uh, everything in the universe coming about just by natural processes. I think it really requires supernatural creation in many ways. Well, in a lot of ways too, Wayne, I think a lot of 
I, and I'm not saying all science scientists do this, but in atheism and skepticism, that the kinds of unbelief that are vehemently opposed to God as a creator, they will actually use the stars as a kind of proof that God didn't create them. Oftentimes you hear the argument that uh, we know the natural processes by which stars came about, therefore there is no God needed to explain it. Right, but like, like we did in another podcast, you can't actually see stars forming. You cannot. Because it would be in the dark part of a nebula where you can't see. Right. So it's an inference drawn from certain things mm-hmm. and it's not something people really can be sure about. No, but the, the, the unique similarity between the forbidden idol worship of false gods and their stars is the idea that people take comfort in naturalistic explanations of how stars came about as proof or as, as a means by which they convince themselves that God didn't create them. Right, but I think it's a much better comfort to look at things like God who created this universe vast and powerful though he, he is he cares about every one of us yeah that's much better he calls us all by name <laughs> yes well there's there's a he uh, calls the stars by name that's right and he calls us by name well and it's interesting too because matthew's gospel opens with exactly the very th- same thing you're talking about we have these magi or wise men from the east who for all intents and purposes are not jews mm-hmm. they come to jerusalem but they see a star, and there's a distinction immediately about their recognition of the star. They don't worship the star. Right. They know it just signifies that the king of the Jews has been born, and they go follow the star, and they worship Jesus, not the material creation. And that's the distinction between the paganism of the Old Testament, for which Israel was forbidden to practice, and the the glorious wonder of the New Testament, that God, through the means of a star, through the means of pagan astrologers, draws, you know, the first worshipers in Scripture in in the New Testament of Jesus are people from the East, not the Jews. Right. In fact, (laughs) this, let me, let me go, jump off from that. Numbers twenty four seventeen, Dan. Yeah, exactly what you I was thinking about. about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, who do you think would make this statement? This is an interesting thing. <laughs> uh, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Right. Now, Jacob and Israel are the same things. God's yes. people. Jacob was the patriarch who was renamed Israel in the wrestling match. Right. He wins the wrestling match, injures himself. Well, he didn't injure himself. God touched him on the hip, and Jacob is changed to Israel. But but the point you're making is very interesting. It's a pagan uh, prophet. Yes. Uh, it's not an Israelite. No. This was Balaam. The guy who <laughs> saw the, the donkey was about to stop him. Right. He was about to be killed. An ox knows its master, and a donkey knows... So he knows. got a very serious attitude correction there one day. <laughs> and then... He turned around, so the Moabite king wanted him to curse Balak. Israel. Yeah, Balak wanted, hey, come here. Yeah. I want to hire you to curse Israel. They're bothering me. Say some curses for me. And he turns around and he blesses Israel. Yes. And then prophecies about this star rising out of Jacob. So there's a star, a king, the mention of a scepter. Yes. I see a star rising out of Jacob, Israel. Yeah. And this is exactly fulfilled. 
in in the Magi coming to Jerusalem, yes. asking and inquiring about the star, which is interesting that Herod and all Jerusalem were troubled by it. The yeah. Magi are the only people that are like, where is this? Where's this? Please tell us. And and Jew, the the Jewish people are troubled by it, but the, the pagans are like, hey, where, where do we go? Where, yeah. you, and nobody else saw the star, right? Which is which to me says that it it, it probably was not anything like a. Uh, I mean, we don't. This is a tangent, but there's nothing in the physical, phenomenal world of astronomy that can explain the behavior of the star in Matthew's gospel. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, uh-huh. but but yeah, the pagan prophecy is fulfilled by pagan magicians, uh, magicians or astrologers yes. from the east that are non-Jews, right? Which are the first worshippers of the New Testament of Jesus. So it's like God gave even the Gentile peoples clues yeah. to point them to where the true God really was. And that's Romans 9. You know, God is provoking his people to jealousy through Gentiles. Yes. The kingdom of the heavens is open to everybody now. It's not. There's neither right. Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. Everybody has an opportunity to receive Christ. And that was the wonderful distinction. That was the, the radical problems that Jesus got into. You know, the exclusivity of Judaism in the first century. Uh, making the Pharisees and the Sadducees upset. Wait a minute, this this is we we believe Moses. We follow Moses' laws, um, and Jesus is like, no, you you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you followed yeah. Moses, you would know who I am. No, you blow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you have Numbers twenty four seventeen. You have Matthew two two, which we were talking about. Uh, the the wise men say to Herod, uh, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Uh, Revelation twenty two sixteen. 16, uh, Jesus is the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And then uh, uh, the reference to Second Peter one nineteen. until the day, day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So the light of the gospel rises in your heart like the, the star in Matthew rises in the east, uh, pointing us to Christ. And that's right. what the stars do. They are signs and seasons. And this goes back to a verse you have in Genesis. God says, let there be lights in the sky, in the expanse, in the rakia of the sky. They are for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And so one of the things that a star is, whether it's a person, whether it's an angel or a light in the sky, all of that points to Christ. You and I point to Christ. Every human being made in the image of God points to Christ, like stars point to Christ. Um, But just like stars in science today, stars... People, I asked, I'm going to pick on my Sunday school class in my church for a little bit. A couple of this summer, I taught a creation, uh, eight weeks of creation. Um, and I asked everybody, I said, well, so what's a star? And they all went to the scientific answer. Well, there's nothing wrong with it, but it was interesting that this mature adult group of Sunday school folks had all just kind of said, a couple of them just said plasma, gas, and all that, which, you know, yes. Yeah. But the, the, the primary understanding of what a star is and what it's for um, has been supplanted by our scientific understanding of yeah, stars. Yeah, God's glory yeah. is reflected by it. We are more enamored with the physical material of stars today than we are uh, with a spiritual or biblical understanding of what they were for. Um, you know, we're told in science stars have no purpose. They, they're just happenstance of, of, a, of a long right. process of gradual cosmic evolution. Right. But Scripture counters that directly. They are very specifically made for a very specific purpose. Uh, and so whether they're people, lights in the sky, or angels, uh, the stars point to the glory of God in Christ. Right. So we have, there's, there's some passages that you have. We can just kind of read these. Um, verses referring to various kinds of lights in the sky. You have this on, in the notes that you made. We talked about Genesis just now. We just talked about Matthew. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about the context of 1 Corinthians 15.41, where Paul is talking about star differs from star in splendor or glory. What's going on there? Yeah, let me read a few verses from that chapter. This is such an interesting chapter. It is. It really is. 1 Corinthians 15, in, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing about uh, the resurrection of the dead in the future of believers. And so um, I'm going to start with verse 39. It says, All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh. Animals ha- have another. Birds another. And fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. Uh, The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. Awesome. And now Paul is talking about the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is the chapter on the resurrection. uh, Or it talks about the resurrection. Paul's talking about the resurrection. So our new bodies, Paul is comparing the, the different kind of bodies that we have now to the kind of bodies that we will have, you know, post-mortem resurrection. Um, right. So the, this makes, you have to balance this passage against what Jesus said mm-hmm. after he rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. So he, he emphasized to the, to the disciples, it is I myself. Yeah. It is I myself. Here, touch me, me and see. Yeah, give me a piece and of fish. So and they and... could recognize it. Right, right. Uh, they had trouble believing in the resurrection. But now they, what... he, they could recognize him, but yet he was in a heavenly body in the sense of this. What's interesting for me is with this passage in the resurrection, now the technology being what it is today, a lot of uh, astronomy photographers will time lapse uh, stars, uh, the, the stars moving. Right. In the heavens, the nice, they make nice circle patterns, and you can see over the course of an evening right. this, these time-lapse videos. They're on YouTube. You can see them anywhere. Time-lapse videos of stars rising and setting. But it's interesting, in a lot of these time-lapses, I love watching the, the time-lapse because as the stars rise out of the east in, in a multitude, it reminds me of the resurrection, what the resurrection will be like. Stars look like they're coming out of the ground and rising. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? And so it's a neat image. And they're, they're kind of rotating around Polaris, yeah. the North Star. Yeah. So it looks like they're rising on one it side does. And, and, and going down below the horizon on the other. Exactly. And the time-lapse thing really brings this home, the idea of, of the resurrection, it really brings it home because look at these stars that look like they're just coming out of the ground. Right. I mean, that you know, being caught up in the air, you know, it's, it's like, wow, that's that's what it's going to be like. A good picture of, of what's going to happen to believers. Yeah. yeah. I, well, everybody, you know, it just depends. But but that is a that's that's one of my favorite uh, images in, in modern astronomy photography is that uh, the, the rising right. of the stars and the motion of the stars. It's really cool. Right. It's um, good. So we have uh, the 1 Corinthians fifteen forty one passage, and then we have something in Revelation 10, or Revelation 8, uh, where a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky. What's that describing? Yeah, so there's some places in the Bible where it's kind of more of a judgment picture of, yeah. of something that's going to happen in the future, and this hasn't happened today. But right. In the future, there's going to be some really frightening things happening. And I think some of it could be impacts from space uh-huh. that cause problems. It talks about this, an object called wormwood. Wormwood is a star wormwood. That, yeah. that uh, poisons waters of the earth, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people die from the poison. And you could, you could, you could, uh, you know, the other reference to a star falling was when Jesus says, "I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning," or yeah. the, the Lucifer. The, the morning star loses his place. He falls from heaven and takes a third of the stars with him. 
uh, drags a third of the stars down. So there's, there again is a poetic reference to angels yes. coming down in rebellion with Satan. Or, you know, again, the idea of meteorites and falling stars, just that visual imagery reminding us there was a great fall right. of, of some kind. Um, the, other, the other one that I like that you have here is First Chronicles 27, 23, where it says that, uh, you know, God makes Israel as numerous as the stars in the sky. Which right, and that's just like what God promised Abraham. In Genesis 15, yes. right, yeah. yeah. Uh, he took Abraham outside, showed him the stars, and said, Count them if you are able, Right. so shall your descendants be. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, I love Psalm 147.4. He determines the number of the stars and calls each of them by name. Calls each of them by name. So he calls you and I by name. He calls angelic beings by name. And he calls the lights in the sky by name. Yeah, and scientists don't do this. No. Scientists have, there's like three or four major catalogs of stars. And they're all numbered. Mostly they're numbered. Yeah. Uh, We can't think of names for all of them, but if you want to, you can uh, talk to the, uh, I forget the name of the organization. The Astronomical uh, Astronomical Union? Yes. Yeah. International Astronomical Astronom- Union. AIU. The IAU. Right. IAU. And, yes, that's right. Uh, they're right. responsible for star names and other the names of other things in right. space. Well, I love to go out in my backyard. I was just doing that this week. This this uh, fall, I've been learning constellation of Perseus, the Great Square, which is visible at night right now. If you go right. out at dark, uh, the Great Square in the Northern Hemisphere, and I've been learning. Go out with my little phone app. Uh, uh-huh. Stellarium, right? And I pinpoint the stars and I locate them in the sky. So I'm, I learned the Great Square and all the star names around them, and a lot of them are Arabic, like the Great Square. These four names are really cool: Alfarat, Sheet, Sheet, Markab, and Al Ganib. Al Ganib are. Yeah, I think some of them are harder to pronounce than they are. names in the Bible. Right. I don't even know if I'm saying these right. Yeah. Uh, but then there's a lot of other stars that are associated with it: uh, Matar. And Seb Al, there's, there's other names I can't remember right now, but um, just learning the star names, contemplating on their ancientness, right. thinking of their beauty, thinking of them in relation to who Jesus is, uh, just contemplating in a dark sky, just contemplating the beauty. You say, well, what, what practical value does that have? Well, it calms me down. I learn something that's outside of myself. I learn to identify stars and constellations. And I just, I just don't ever get tired of looking at the stars. I spend hours looking at the stars, and not to worship them, but to just as they remind me of everything we're talking about. And they remind me uh, of God as the creator. Yeah. He, there's nothing beyond his reach. No. Nothing in the universe is beyond where his creative hand is at, has been right. active. One of the stars that I learned uh, the name of, well, I knew the name of, but just now I, I know better where the location is, is mentioned in our uh, Story of the Cosmos book by David Bradstreet. It's a binary star called Algol. Mm-hmm. And it's the demon's head, usually referred to it as the demon's head in the constellation of Perseus. And it is believed that Perseus cut off the head of Medusa mm-hmm. and used it to turn Cetus, the, the sea monster, into stone who was going to mm-hmm. come and eat Andromeda. But, but Algol is a binary star. where It's got one star going around it, and so the light output of, of Algol dips. And it, it wasn't discovered until, I think, the 18th century that it did this. Um, but it was... It was weird how it got the association of a, of a star with, with an evil nature. There are creatures in the constellations like Cetus and Draco and the great serpent in Ophiuchus that these are, uh, these, these are stars that got these negative evil associations and evil connotations. So even in the ancient star lore, there's this idea 
that in the heavens there are stars that are opposed to to you and I. To, right. There's there's an evil sense, an opposition and sense. Good stars and evil stars. Yeah. The, good angels and evil angels. Exactly. Right. And, and and Draco is one of those constellations where it's like, how in the world did that constellation become Draco? Uh, how did it become a dragon? Um, but but it fits what we're talking about here, as as some of the stars, the references to stars in the Bible, refer to fallen angels and demons and and, and Lucifer. And then. Uh, the Bible talks about in the future. The, I think it's not about physical stars. Yeah, will sometimes will one day will stop shining. Right. You have and, a, and, and there's, there's going to be something happening in the heavens in space where with the stars. Yeah. You have uh, Isaiah thirteen ten here. It says uh, the stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So these signs. In the heavens will be signs of the end. Yeah, in Isaiah 34, 4, all the stars of the heavens will be dissolved and the sky rolled up like a scroll. So the universe as we know it is going to be undone. Kind of like a, a mini blind when you roll up the blind and all the dust falls off of it. Yeah, <laughs> somehow it collapses or something. But this, the, the creation, as beautiful as it is, is going to be destroyed and remade. There's going yes. to be a new heavens. And a new earth, and who knows what that will be like. Joel 3.15 says the sun and the moon will be darkened, and the stars no longer shine. Right. And can you imagine the chaos and the panic that will ensue when, when man on the earth sees these things go up and start to dissolve and not shine? I mean... That will be frightening. But, you know, it, it'll, it goes to show, I think, Dan, that human beings... We're, we're material creatures, but we're also really spiritual creatures. We are. And uh, the material can go away, and we we will still exist. Yeah. This is part of this is part of why this verse is there. I think uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's emphasizing there's everything material is something we owe to God, and even our own existence, our own own bodies. But our existence is actually. A separate from the material as well. It is. It's just that we're dependent on our material bodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, God starts our life, and our life continues, and He is in control of, of the everything material and everything we take for granted. Yeah. And you remember uh, in 2013, Comet Ison. Yeah. Okay, there was a time, I was following this pretty carefully, it was in the fall of 2013, around Thanksgiving, where this comet was coming close to Earth, and astronomers were saying it's going to glance Earth or it's going to come really close. People were were panicking that this was going to strike Earth, and some people were saying this is planet Nibiru. But there was a mild uh, social media, internet panic about just what Comet Ison was going to do. But who are people going to for for information and comfort? They were going to astronomers yeah. to, to to try to explain. Tell me this isn't going to happen. What's going on? And I remember contacting one astronomer in particular about, hey, what, what's the chaos? What's going on? And you know, there were there were blogs and written articles that you know, comet Ison's not this, it's not that, it's a comet. And they were expecting the comet to go around the sun, do its perihelion, right? And they didn't quite know what it was going to happen when it came out from the other side. So it was Thanksgiving night in 2013, I believe it was, where Comet Ison went around the sun, disappeared, and astronomers had written it off. It was like, well, it's dead. 
right. snowball melted. It didn't make it. it it's right. dead. Yeah, there's lots of comets that do that. Yeah, there's comets that will go behind the sun, and that's it. They'll yeah. dissolve. Right. So Ison went behind the sun and apparently didn't come out when it was predicted, and so everybody had written it off as, as being dead. Well, lo and behold, it didn't die. And it, it made headlines because it showed up after people had predicted that it would. I mean, it was still weakened in a weakened yeah. state. But the language that people were using to describe what happened was the death and resurrection of a comet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, they used that, re- that language. Yeah, it was yeah. in New York Times, I think, that was actually yeah. using that language. But, you know, look at this. When we're talking about the heavens, the only thing it seems appropriate to describe in terms of spiritual terms, that this light in the heavens died and then was resurrected. You know, so yeah. But that's some fun stuff to look into if you want to go back to 2013 and, and kind of look what people were, yeah. people were going. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, it's been really cool. It's kind of a short and quick and fast. We're going to put these notes available uh, in the podcast link below so that you can follow along with what we've been talking about. But let's go end it on uh, a couple of verses from Psalms and a few verses, uh, a verse from Daniel and a verse from Philippians. Um, you know, David is in Psalm 8 contemplating the heavens. He says, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, the works of your fingers. And immediately when David is contemplating the stars, he goes from contemplating God's creation to thinking of himself. Like, what am I in relation to the universe? Which it seems to be people are still doing that today. When you look up at the stars, modern science looks up at the stars, and you always read in books, magazines, and articles, you look up at the stars... And there's this instantaneous connection to starting to 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 quiz yourself. Who am I? Yes. Yeah, what so, am I? So, but then they leave it in the wrong. They draw the wrong conclusion. Yes. Sorry. So, the conclusion is not that we're insignificant. No. That's the wrong conclusion. Right. The conclusion is that the God who created the entire universe, in His unlimited power and unlimited knowledge cares about each one of us right who are we the son of the, the who is man that you're mindful of him and the son yes. of man that you care for him so there's that it seems like god has built into creation that that nature for us to to ask who are we in right. the midst of all of that and then there's we, we should always realize how how little we know and how limited we are right and uh, that we always need to <laughs> A reminder that we, yeah. the more we accomplish, the more we need that reminder, Dan. And human significance or insignificance is not yes. finally a scientific question. Right. I mean, we are small. Science does show yes. that we're small. Yes. But science doesn't show that we're insignificant. Right. That's an assumption that's, that's not science. Thing, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of yeah. course, then my favorite verse, one of mine, Psalm 19.1, The heavens, the Shemaim, yeah. declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of of his, his hands, hands. yes, right. and then um, Philippians two fifteen talks about uh, believers shining like stars in the universe. You know, we shine down here in the midst of a spiritual darkness. We shine as stars, and then probably my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses. This is how I've been signing our books with Daniel twelve three because that's yeah, my name. You know, that's a great one. Yeah, those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. I right. think that's a good way to. To conclude, because that is the goal and purpose, the telos of stars. Whether it's you and me, right. stars in the sky, or angels, yes. all the lights in the Shemaim and on the earth point to the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen.
All right, Wayne, this has been an excellent podcast. This is a good one. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking really fast because I had power coffee here at uh, Buongiorno in South Lake. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sorry if I've been rambling on nonstop without taking a breath. uh, So that's a a crash course on the Bible and stars. That is. uh, We will put this document that Wayne put together uh, in the link below that you can access for free. Uh, Thank you, Wayne, for putting this together. Some interesting word studies on Rakia and Shemayim and uh, plenty of verses on stars that you can uh, jump into for yourself. So keep listening and keep looking up. Keep listening and keep looking up, and we will see you next time on Good Heavens.